Welcome to the Maritime Podcast. You are listening to Marcus Hand, editor of Sea Trade Maritime News. This is a special in conversation episode brought to you in collaboration with the Maritime Anti Corruption Network. We are marking International Anti Corruption Day, and what could be a better way to do that than to speak about corruption risks in the maritime industry and the organization which is working to eliminate and reduce these risks? The Maritime Anti-Corruption Network, or MACN, was established in 2011 by a small group of committed maritime companies and has grown to include close to 170 companies globally and has become one of the most preeminent examples of collective action to tackle corruption and has a strong industry voice on this. The organisation has, during its 10-year journey, reduced corruption risks for the maritime industry in countries like Nigeria, Argentina, and the Ukraine. MACN has found ways to address corruption by engaging the whole value chain of our industry, as well as governments. In this episode, we are speaking with two prominent industry leaders who are also committed MACN representatives. I am delighted to welcome to the Maritime Podcast, Claudio Bozzo, Chief Operating Officer of Mediterranean Shipping Company, and Captain Rajesh Uni, founder and CEO of Synergy Group, to give their insights into the fight against corruption in the maritime industries from the perspectives of a leading ship owner and ship manager. And I just wanted to get from your perspective, and from MSC, over the last decade, what changes have you observed regarding the attitudes towards corruption? We started very bad with what I call the dirty 90s, the one in which corruption was seen as a necessary evil. And then fortunately, we evolved a lot from that uh, and countries understood that it was necessary to start fighting this uh, disease because it's a corrosive disease, because uh, it creates a lot of waste in terms of resources, creates inequality, affects even the morale of the people giving or receiving. And especially corruption is like an unseen tax. So individual countries started to fight with different degrees of success. This uh, disease is not an easy fight. The ones that had the biggest success during these last decades are the ones that actually acted as a society, as a group, not as individuals, and where women and young people played probably the most important role in these particular countries. The most successful are also the countries that basically made sure that their system was a system in which if people exposed corruption, then there were consequences. And that was important. You know, for me, it was a relief to see that there was somebody that wanted to challenge the status quo that was lasting from decades in our industry. And uh, from that moment on, things really started to take a different turn for us in many countries and hopefully in many countries still to come. To sort of get a bit of perspective on this, over the last decade or so, what changes have you observed regarding attitudes towards corruption in the maritime industry? If you look at a few decades ago, I think a lot of us, a lot of people, at least in the business world, I was not there then, but I remember clearly telling me that they had included some of these costs even in their P&L as part of doing business. And then there was a suitable term called useful expenditures. I don't know how it was useful, but this was included. And then you put that on and then you look at some of the youngsters that are coming out today, including my son, who's 19 years old, and they've been taught in school, what's the right thing to do? And I think there's a far more conviction in these younger people and in today's generation to say that we have to stand by what is right. Put these two in context and then bring the internet 
out here. So you will find that one of the best things that the internet has done is to bring transparency and accountability in today's day and age. Whether it's the politicians, whether it's about media, normal citizens, I think suddenly those silent voices, even silent kind of a people started making noises. And even those that whose voices were being suppressed suddenly got a lot more power behind them. And they could speak their minds, which means that suddenly things are out in the open. And people then obviously had to act on these voices and do what is right in industry. So I feel there's a lot that is coming through. There are a lot of people, at least at the leadership level, saying that this is how we should do and this anti-corruption is the right thing to do. Whether it's actually happening at the ground level, there is some gap. Yes, absolutely. But then that's a work in progress. And I'm confident that in the coming years, people who are passionate about making a change will drive this change. And we will see a lot more cleaner world going forward, particularly confident about it. That's really good to hear that confidence. And very interesting to hear that sort of change. The fact that not so long ago, it was kind of institutionalized in accounting. It's quite a sort of worrying concept, really, when you think about it. Coming back to you, Claudio. Uh, You mentioned there, obviously, the founding of MACN, which has become an internationally recognized success story. But do you feel it's getting enough support from regulators and institutions in its fight against corruption? In short, no. Look, I was very excited when, as MSC, we decided to join MACM because I admired their courage to tackle this difficult problem that there is. And I thought they were going to be a great help for any government that wanted to really intervene, at least in the maritime sector. The governments alone have very clear in their mind that they cannot bring the change that is necessary alone. They need all the help they can get. MACM is reliable, relentless, is uh, passionate about this fight, and consequently probably is the best friend that they could find in the market. It's difficult to understand why, if you have such a best friend, you don't use it in a better way. The secret for the success is always in the cooperation, government, societies, industry, everybody. And partners like MACN could be fundamental. Now, there is no doubt, so the answer is no. MACN could help the government, for example, in reviewing their processes. We all know that lengthy processes usually are the reasons why there is corruption in certain countries. MACN could help expose inefficiencies or expose corruption thanks to the help of all the membership that they have. They could help improve information. Poor information is another one of the causes of corruption, and they could certainly underline where information is poor. And the most important thing, they have the power to group behind their action all the shipping lines that have adhered to the program, and there are many. So a coordinated action of all the shipping lines would really be of great help. Captain Uni, turning to you with the same question. Obviously, MACN has been internationally recognized success story and sort of bringing together this issue in terms of the maritime and raising its profile. Do you think it's getting enough support from regulators and institutions in this fight against corruption in in the sector? So I think the challenge with the anti-corruption is also in the supply chain. We will need all the functions in the supply chain to act in unison. So there's a lot of awareness, of course, on the ships. And then you have regulators, whether it's port state controls or, you know, national organizations stepping in. And then on the other side, again, you have a lot of criminalization that has happened on seafarers, for example. So there is always this threat that if you perhaps don't toe the line, 
then you could fall into the other bucket very quickly. And so the front line, which is the seafarers, sometimes feel vulnerable. If this is the case, then it also means that even more that the organization behind these frontline employees need to stand up and empower them and make them feel comfortable. They can say no, and they will be kind of supported in times where there are these challenges that come up. So I think that is one. So if you are now put that in context and come and say, have you got a lot of success from a regulatory standpoint? I can be quite candid and say, maybe not. But are we at least making progress? Absolutely, yes. I think so. Because people feel that this can't go on. So simple things like, I always believe that when you do ratings and when you kind of create scorecards, then there are business consequences as a result of these scorecards. So, for example, if a ship is detained, then there are real business consequences for that. So, immediate pressure for people on the front line or in the office is to try and avoid a detention at any cost. Can we then go up to regulators and explain this and create a system whereby the target itself doesn't become a measure? You know what I mean? So in the sense that if you put that in context, I think we need to have more involvement from regulators, other organizations that are rating ships, that are wedding ships, to come out in the open and say, okay, if we get it, if something like this happens, we will look at it on a case-by-case basis and we will very subjectively. So once that happens, I think there will be a lot more momentum in this whole anti-corruption drive. Um, but are we getting support to some extent? Yes. But is it to the extent that we would like to have? Maybe not. But then again, like I said, it's a work in progress. And I hope that other organizations that kind of use these data and rate ships or create business consequences also look into these aspects before they start doing these things. I think that will have. You touched on both the regulatory side and those on the front line faced with these situations on a more daily basis. You mentioned there are things like ratings, and we've seen a number of incentives and ratings introduced in recent years to improve vessel performance. While these are a good idea in themselves, coming back to what you said, could there be an ethical risk when ships call at ports where corruption risks are high, particularly in relation to port state control inspections? I think absolutely, and we see that all the time. So on a ship, if you can go in very frankly, and be given a job to find 10 deficiencies, I think any one of us can. And how do you then address those deficiencies and how do you relate those to categories of safety or high risk is the key question here. So I feel that that's where the front line feel most vulnerable and for which there is an immediate business consequence. So unless we address those business consequences, and obviously The rating agencies and the others are also overburdened with a lot of work. So they say that as soon as they have a system or an algorithm that comes in, as soon as the rating or a detention or anything that happens, then automatically the ship is not suitable for business or the operator as to filing certain things. So this is like a part of an algorithm. But what we should also do then, we should customize some of those data inputs so that there's a lot of general information out there, which, you know, people face a lot of challenges, or we create a platform where people can voice their challenges anonymously and say, I went into this port, these are my challenges. Something that can be done to raise more awareness in an anonymous manner. And then that data can also be used to kind of classify some or categorize some of this information. I think that's perhaps going to be very useful. 
But there is also a fear amongst frontline workers and ship operators on what consequences they could get in. Turning back to you, Claudio, obviously you're saying that cooperation is extremely important here. And within the shipping industry, including MACN and the, the companies involved, are there gaps in how anti-corruption is approached? And what do you need to do to further improve that fight against corruption in this industry? For me, yes, there are. There are still gaps. And they will always be because there's always a way to improve things. Probably I sh- maybe should list my top three. And I'm sure they're not the top three that others put, but for me, they are. Uh, the first one for me is technology. If we continue to have one-to-one interaction, person-to-person interaction, there is no doubt in my mind that this will open the possibility for corruption. So more technology in our industry, and we are a little bit behind as an industry in this type of things, would certainly help uh, reduce corruption. So there is the biggest gap for me that I see. Second thing, training. For me, integrity training is still not popular enough. We need to make sure that both parties are trained, the asker and the giver. Sorry if I refer refer to them in this way, but both of them have to be trained. And I'm not sure that we are doing that. I think some of the parties are spending more time in this integrity training than others, and this should change. The third, for me, captains and crews, they need the support of the companies they work for, but they need it big time not just a verbal support. They really need as a company, we, need, we really need as companies to become their shield. Our captains, our crew were very happy when we decided to join MECM and uh, that we are taking steps to fight corruption because they didn't like to find themselves in difficult positions. And for them, as a company, we gave them the tool to say no. And the reason behind that is that we are shielding them. It's us. We made the decision. We didn't provide the tools for them to do what they are asked to do. And consequently, they have the right excuse and they can finally say no. So for me, the third gap is that I don't think that a lot of the captains and the crews worldwide are receiving the due support from their companies. Just to follow up on that a bit, where the captains and the crews have that support, which somebody like MSC gives, that does then, you know, give that empowerment to say no, you know, because I think there's always this concern that the ship gets delayed and they get into trouble because the ship is delayed. For me, you see, that's exactly what I'm talking about. When you take certain decisions or you take certain steps, you need to make sure that you understand that the crew is going to face situations that they didn't face before. And they could face challenges that bring them to look bad. And this is when the company has to show that they are understanding, they support, and uh, that they recognize that there are going to be consequences that are not the fault of uh, the crew. And I think doing that and so empowering them in the proper way to take those decisions without necessarily consequences would be the right thing to do. Coming back to you, Captain Uni. It's interesting that you addressed the ideas around anonymous reporting and sort of building that data up. So would you say there are sort of some gaps in the way that the anti-corruption fight is going at the moment? And there are things like this that we could do more of to improve the situation. If I have one choice, it will be to get more people along the supply chain to be involved in this fight or drive. Whether it's about insurers, whether it's about port state control, whether it's about you know uh, national organizations. I think the more we have, and just look at it from a ship perspective, and wherever the touch points are for it, a shipping person, if we can 
you know, address those touch points, I think it will be hugely useful. You touched there on the whole commercial side of this and the impact that getting a ship detained can have. Are there ways in which cargo owners and charterers can better support owners and managers operating their ships in high-risk markets? I think the best way to do that, you know, I have to give them also the benefit of doubt that they also need to have enough information that as soon as they have certain things that they feel is not going the right way, then it's worthwhile to engage in a communication with that operator and find out more information on what actually happened. And, and, you know, allow the operators to also give them an honest feedback of this is what happened. And, you know, also talk to people at the front line, the ship staff. What did they go through? How did they deal with situations when they're calling the port? I think if that exercise is engaged in a more conversational manner rather than just straight away putting the ship off business or putting the operator on hold or whatever. I think if it's a decision that's made after a bit of engagement and a bit of conversation and a bit of investigation, that itself will, I think, go a long way. Because I'm by no means saying that we should use these to hide behind certain situations. But all, all I want is that how do we ensure that the seafarers feel empowered and bold enough to say no when they want to say no? Because at the end of the day, that's where the touch point is. And we need to make sure that we feel and we make them feel comfortable. So right now, there is always a fear of something not going right if they stand up for some of these things. Now, you're talking about consequences there. Now, obviously, when you get into the chain of maritime, you have the cargo owners, charterers, and so forth. Is there better support that these people can give the owners and managers operating ships in high-risk markets for corruption? I think everybody as I said before, has to contribute if we want to be successful. So nobody's excluded. And for sure, cargo owners, charters, they are also included in this project. There's many ways they can help. They can help by raising awareness to start with. They can help by doing this famous integrity training that I'm talking about or insisting that is done also at local levels, wherever they are residing. They can help press governments and politicians to adopt the necessary laws and tools to win this fight. And... Most of all, in my opinion, they could join MACN in order to understand the situation in which we are and what MACN is trying to do. And they could help introduce MACN both to their politicians and to other companies similar to them so that we enlarge the amount of companies that are behind this effort that MACN is making. I think you've almost sort of answered this question, but I think just to stress it, why do you think it's important that we tackle this risk collectively? We need to tackle it collectively because uh, corruption is exactly the opposite. Corruption is divisive, no? Corruption wants to divide. Corruption is a mentality problem. You don't change uh, one person or two people and you solve the problem. You need to change a mentality. And the mentality is a mentality of justifications. People tend to justify why they are doing what they are doing with good reasons, and they are not good reasons. So to make a change in the mentality, you need to be all together. Now, don't get me wrong. Alone, what we call an army of one is still important. Somebody said, be the change you want to see in the world. No, It's still a very valid point, and I still want to be myself a, a change in what I want to see in the world. But the truth is that the countries where and the locations where it was possible to really determine a permanent change are only the ones in which there was together 
mode of action. Together is important because together we can share, together we can defend ourselves, together we can support each other, together we can voice without fear certain things, together we can influence governments or or, or ports or, or terminals, together we have really the power to win. And together, I firmly believe that we can impose a global culture of integrity and we can make sure that it permeates into the maritime industry as a whole. Now, this for me is exactly why we join MACN. MACN is exactly that, is sharing, is reporting, is meeting, is training, is supporting each other, is walking hand in hand towards uh, the common goal that is eliminating corruption from our industry. A very strong message there of acting collectively and that um, integrity as well. Yeah, Captain, you put a strong stress there on how much pressure is put on the seafarer. Obviously, you come from a seafaring background, so it would have intimate knowledge of that kind of pressure. And you also then talked about kind of working together on these things and not just immediately taking the ship off fire, talking to each other. So just kind of coming to sort of wrap this all up, why do you think it is important that we tackle this kind of risk collectively? Corruption is not a problem that's just related to shipping. It's a global problem. If we need to deal with this, then I think collaboration is the best way forward. There is no doubt that we as an industry, at least from whatever little we speak to in MACN or elsewhere in any conferences, we realize that people are all wanting to do the right thing. What is holding them back is these discussions where they feel that there could be severe business consequences. If we as an industry can collectively say that we will work on this together, we will involve other stakeholders as a part of this process, whether it's a PNI clubs, insurers, or port state control, and everybody else involved into this process and drive this anti-corruption as an agenda, then I think we will be able to definitely find a solution. And like I said, let's not have knee-jerk reactions to such events. Let's take some time to go and analyze and investigate what actually went wrong and then also empower the people on the front line to be able to say no. I think that's where the rubber hits the road. If they feel comfortable at the front line, that they can stand up for what is right and there's no pressure from the organizations that they work for to find a way to make things happen irrespective of what they think, then I think we have a solution Captain, it's great to hear you talking about that empowerment for those people on the front line and someone who employs a large number of those people on the front line and that you're you're backing that empowerment for them. Is there anything else you would like to add? This is a global problem. This involves multiple stakeholders. So I think everybody should chip in. We should not look at this as an A versus B problem, but and you should not look at it as a willing to go and take commercial risks in certain markets because I know that those markets, there are ways and means to do things in a manner that doesn't align with the values of some, then that kind of business advantages or all that commercial advantage you need to get off. I think as long as it's fair and level playing ground for everybody, then I think people will all stand up and say to do what is right. Just to conclude, considerable progress has been made in the fight against corruption in the maritime industries over the last decade, but there is still much more to be done with cooperation among all stakeholders key to giving that empowerment to those on the front line to say no. On behalf of MACN and Sea Trade Maritime, I'd just like to thank Claudio Bozzo 
and Rajesh Uni for taking the time to give us their insights today on this important topic on the Maritime Podcast. Until next time, stay safe. <laughs>